This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have a February 22nd, 1943 address by Franklin Delano Roosevelt on George Washington's birthday. The U.S. President compares the challenges Washington faced during the American Revolution and early days of the country to the then current challenges facing the United States. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast, where you can find links to past episodes and other information. So thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Washington, D.C., the Columbia Broadcasting System brings you an address by President Roosevelt. The president speaks tonight to the nation and to a series of dinners being held throughout the country, arranged by the Democratic National Committee to commemorate the birth of our first president, George Washington, born 211 years ago. Here at the dinner in the Mayflower Hotel in Washington is Representative Sam Rayburn, Speaker of the House, to introduce President Roosevelt. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rayburn. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, today this nation which George Washington helped so greatly to create is fighting all over this earth in order to maintain for ourselves and for our children the freedom which George Washington helped so greatly to achieve. As we celebrate his birthday, Let us remember how he conducted himself in the midst of great adversities. We are inclined, because of the total sum of his accomplishments, to forget his days of trial. Throughout the Revolution, Washington commanded an army whose very existence as an army was never a certainty from one week to another. Some of his soldiers and even whole regiments could not or would not move outside the borders of their own states. Sometimes, at critical moments, they would decide to return to their individual homes to get the plowing done or the crops harvested. Large numbers of the people of the colonies were either against independence or at least unwilling to make great personal sacrifice toward its attainment. 
And there were many in every colony who were willing to cooperate with Washington only if the cooperation was based on their own terms. Some Americans during the War of the Revolution sneered at the very principles of the Declaration of Independence. It was impractical, they said. It was idealistic to claim that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. The skeptics and the cynics of Washington's day did not believe that ordinary men and women have the capacity for freedom and self-government. They said that liberty and equality were idle dreams that could not come true. Just as today there are many Americans who sneer at the determination to attain freedom from want and freedom from fear on the ground that these are ideals which can never be realized. They say that it is ordained that we must always have poverty and that we must always have war. You know, they are like the people who carp at the Ten Commandments because some people are in the habit of breaking one or more of them. We Americans of today know that there would have been no successful outcome to the revolution even after eight long years. The revolution that gave us liberty had, had it not been for George Washington's faith and the fact that that faith overcame the bickerings and confusion and the doubts which the skeptics and cynics provoked. When kind history books tell us of Benedict Arnold, they omit dozens of other Americans who beyond peradventure of a doubt were also guilty of treason. We know that it was Washington's simple, steadfast faith that kept him to the essential principles of first things first. His sturdy sense of proportion brought to him and his followers the ability to discount the smaller difficulties and concentrate on the larger objectives. And the objectives of the American Revolution were so large, so unlimited, that today they are among the primary objectives of the entire civilized world. It was Washington's faith, and with it his hope and his charity, which was responsible for the stamina of Valley Forge, responsible for the prayer at Valley Forge. The Americans of Washington's day were at war. We Americans of today are at war. The Americans of Washington's day faced defeat on many occasions. We faced and still face reverses and misfortunes. In 1777, the victory over General Burgoyne's army at Saratoga led thousands of Americans to throw their hats in the air, proclaiming that the war was practically won and that they should go back 
to their peacetime occupations and, shall I say, their peacetime normalcies. Today, the great successes on the Russian front have led thousands of Americans to throw their hats in the air and proclaim that victory is just around the corner. Others among us still believe in the age of miracles. They forget that there is no Joshua in our midst. We cannot count on great walls crumbling and falling down when the trumpets blow and the people shout. It is not enough that we have faith and that we have hope. Washington himself was the exemplification of the other great need. Would that all of us could live our lives and direct our thoughts and control our tongues, as did the father of our country in seeking day by day to follow those great verses. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. I think that most of us Americans seek to live up to those precepts, but there are some among them, some among us, who have forgotten them. There are Americans whose words and writings are trumpeted, trumpeted by our enemies to persuade the disintegrating people of Germany and Italy and their captives that America is disunited, that America will be guilty of faithful faithlessness in this war and will thus enable the Axis powers to control the earth. It is perhaps fitting that on this day I should read a few more words spoken many years ago, words which helped to shape the character and the career of George Washington, words that lay behind the prayer at Valley Forge. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, 
For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Those are the truths which are the eternal heritage of our civilization. I repeat them to give heart and comfort to all men and women everywhere who fight for freedom. Those truths inspired Washington and the men and women of the 13 colonies. Today, through all the darkness that has descended upon our nation and our world, those truths are a guiding light to all. We shall follow that light as our forefathers did, to the fulfillment of our hopes for victory, for freedom, and for peace. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard an address by the President of the United States. And now, our national anthem. Blondie will be presented over many of these stations immediately following a brief pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs> 